So who is Merrick Garland and why should he be important to you? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Now I'm going to get to that story about uh, Merrick Garland in just a few minutes, but I want to start out with a story that I ran across this past weekend. Maybe you've seen it, perhaps a lot of you have not seen it, but I would like to make you aware of it. A 16-year-old student in the state of Wyoming was arrested and the entire school was placed on lockdown. And you want to know why? Was she some kind of a terrorist? Was she wielding a gun? Was she threatening people? No, no, something far worse. She refused to wear a face mask. And because of this 16-year-old by the name of Grace Smith, she had already been suspended twice for refusing to wear a mask in class. They locked down the entire school. I guess they're afraid that she's so full of coronavirus, she's going to kill the teachers. She's a terrorist. The insanity of the face diaper has got to come to an end for students. It has to. We are now borderlining total insanity in this nation. As the brave student attempted to go to class unmuzzled once again, she was met by police given a $500 citation. When she was told to leave the school, she refused to comply. At that point, she was handcuffed and arrested. Now, as the situation unfolded, an announcement came over the loudspeakers, we're in a lockdown. It's a crisis. Stay in your rooms. When are we going to come back to common sense and a rational thought process? Why are the police being used to enforce ridiculous, unscientific face diaper mandates on students? Here's what we know. This is the problem. This is what we do know. And it's taken me a long time to come to this conclusion. I felt strongly about this last year. When the, when the idea first came out, about wearing a face mask to prevent the spread of the of the China virus. It seemed maybe it had some rationality, especially if you don't have as much medical background as some people that perform surgery who commonly wear a, a surgical mask in a surgical suite as they perform surgery on, on somebody. I get it. And, and in fact... There were a lot of videos put out last year, little short videos. You found them everywhere on why a mask was going to be such an important item in combating COVID-19. They'd have people cough onto a Petri dish or sneeze onto a Petri dish without a mask and with a mask. And then you'd come back and two days later, you saw a whole lot of bacterial activity going on in the in the Petri dish that did not have a a face mask to protect it versus the one that did. And we were supposed to believe that this would now stop a virus the same exact way. One problem. And the more that I've read, the more that I've seen, the studies that have actually been done over 40 years, here's the answer to that question. A virus 
is one one thousandth. In other words, a bacteria is a thousand times bigger, a thousand times bigger than a virus. And and sure, uh, when you are coughing and it's contained in your spittle, it makes some sense. Especially when somebody has somebody's opened up to do some surgery, you don't want to cough inside of somebody. I get it. Makes sense. But a face mask has been proven over and over again to be worthless in the presence of a virus. And this is what I don't understand, this mentality of, well, wear one mask. Maybe wear two. Maybe wear three. So where does all that bacteria-laden spittle go? It goes into the face mask, and it stays warm all day. And then you get things like bacterial problems around the mouth and the face because of wearing them eight hours a day. It's ridiculous. Study after study has proven the real studies that started back in the 1980s, real controlled studies in the 1990s, all the way through to the 2000s. We recognize that with the exception of limited face coverings designed specifically for a purpose, these face masks do nothing to prevent the wearer or you from getting the virus, period. They just don't work. Yet somehow this has become the new mantra of compliance. Everybody must wear one of these face diapers because it's going to keep everybody safe. Safe from what? Do you think it's a good idea for, oh, I don't know, a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old to wear a face covering? Lowering the oxygen level in their blood, yes. Put an ox meter on their, on their finger and watch how that oxygen rate goes down when your child is wearing one. Does that really, is that a conducive thing for your child's mind to be thoroughly functioning during school to to get an education? I think it was, what, United Airlines a while back? A little two-year-old with asthma was having an asthma attack and couldn't wear the face mask. They made a big deal. They were flying a 45-minute flight from Texas to Colorado. And they turned the plane around to go back to Texas to throw her and her two-year-old off the plane. Because that two-year-old's going to kill the pilot and everybody on board with, with this laden full of corona. We know that this child has to be a corona carrier. He's coughing. He, he acts like he's not. Well, he's, the child's got asthma. Yet we have come to this ridiculous mantra of insanity over a face covering. Grace, that's her name. Grace Smith, they've hired an attorney to fight back. She's a high school junior, young lady who's kind, caring, compassionate. Grace has chosen to exercise her rights and attend school without endangering her body by wearing a face covering. A face covering that would not prevent anybody from, quote, getting the coronavirus. The local school board, though, the reprobates on the school board, the brainwashed on the school board, the fearful on the school board, 
They've chosen to enforce a universal mask policy that honestly I think should be considered unlawful and a violation of the Constitution of the state of Wyoming. We've gone from being sane, normal, to ridiculous, fearful, and crazy. We know they don't work. So why do so many places enforce it? You know, education, this is something I mentioned yesterday and again on on the Monday program. Education has been systematically taken over by the leftist of our society. And, And I don't care if you're in, quote, a red state. You're going to find school districts that are full of the woke, all ready to teach critical race theory, transgenderism, human sexuality to young, impressionable children, the schools feel it's their inherent right to own and control your children. And so this silly school board, and of all places, Wyoming, Wyoming for crying out loud, is enforcing a worthless, ridiculous, feel-good mandate for for wearing a face diaper. When are we going to wake up and realize that none of this is really doing anything to prevent the spread of this virus? Grace has been suspended and arrested for not wearing a face mask. She's been targeted by peers and school staff members simply for exercising her rights. And she's going to be raising funds to help with her legal cost of defending her civil liberties and really yours and the rights of other students in Wyoming who are enduring the same, what I firmly believe is totally ridiculous, unlawful treatment. How do we fix this? I think the problem is on the left. They can't be fixed anymore. They're living in reprobate delusion about so many issues and so many things. They are so determined to have you celebrate Pride Month. They're so, they're so enamored by the idea. Maybe, maybe this kindergartner uh, who's a boy wants to be a girl or a girl wants to be a boy. Let's encourage it. Good grief. I, I, can remember, I can remember my one granddaughter years ago. She wanted to be a mermaid. Should they transition her when she's that age to be a mermaid? Cut her legs off and splice on, you know, fish fins? This is the reprobate insanity that we're dealing with in our world today. And somehow, the left has managed to occupy the White House, of the Senate, and a slim minority in the House of Representatives. And while they have this power, they're going to exercise it to the best of their ability to fundamentally, as Barack Obama once said, transform America. And my question has always been, transform it into what? A ridiculous, woke, incapable of thinking for themselves society? I mean, look at the last 25, 30 years at many of the public universities. 
Go back to the 1960s and 70s. And I can remember this. When I was still in high school, things were relatively, for lack of a better word, politically neutral for the most part when I went to school. I learned how to defend what I believed. I learned how to do the research and read things that were called books, read newspapers, analyze TV programs and news, and recognize when you're being given a, um, well, what am I, just phoniness or an agenda or simply facts. The universities were taken over first. It really was happening. It started in many places in the 1960s, got more intense in the 1970s and 80s. By the time you got to the 1990s, colleges and universities were increasingly education centers or re-education centers for the left. In other words, you graduate high school. Let's say, I'm just going to, 1989. You may have come out of a public school in a small town in Ohio, upstate New York, Indiana, Virginia. And you came out of a, let's just call it a normal family. And you get to a university and everything you believed in is being challenged. There's nothing wrong with somebody challenging what you believe but you were never allowed to defend what you believed. You were ridiculed for what you were believing. You were ostracized. And, and many students, just to get along and get their grades, caved in. But over time, it started creeping into our high schools. Now we have graduates that are thoroughly illiterate on American history. Their English and grammar has been taught to them by their cell phones when they type with their thumbs. They don't understand what the United States Constitution really is. Most have never read it, don't know what's contained in it, how our government system is supposed to work. In other words, they're functionally illiterate on the important things in life. But they can operate a cell phone, they can make TikTok videos, and they believe in every little cause that was drummed into them in high school and college and now even in middle school, junior high, high school and college, and increasingly all the way down into the elementary school grades. Yes, your father rides around in a, in a Jeep. He's killing the environment. Polar bears are dying because your father is so greedy and selfish that he wants to ride around in a Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo. I've heard it all before. And these children at this impressionable age, when increasingly they, they want your child in the school longer hours, they want to give them breakfast and lunch and, and after school activities and then daycare centers. And, and finally, the child gets home exhausted, worn out, being so structured for so many hours a day. They seldom interact with their own parents and their own parents who are busy with their dual careers in order to pay the taxes and survive and, and increasingly try to find the American dream that's slipping out of our fingers, especially now with inflation at the highest rate in over 30 years, housing prices through the roof, 
people in debt up to their eyeballs in mortgage payments, credit card payments, car payments, and all that goes with it, health care cost if their employer does not provide it. We give our children off to the state and the daycare centers. And they're raising your children. And by the time, by the time they, they get out of, out of high school, by the time they, they go to college and come out of college, they, they don't even resemble in their opinions, in the things that are important, any of the values you hope to instill in them the day you, you brought them into this world. The left has always had this thing about controlling the children. China, the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, any despot society has always wanted to take over the education and the raising of the children because they know if they control the children, they control all the future generations going forward. And that's what we have going on today. Today, it's the face diaper. And a parent that goes to, to a school board meeting to object and demand scientific evidence that is irrefutable of why this is going to work are shouted down, cut off, removed, public comment periods just eliminated, And now we get back to Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. And sadly, it's amazing how many high school graduates and college students don't even know who Merrick Garland is. He is the Attorney General of the United States. Let me say that again, just in case you missed it. He is the Attorney General of the United States. So here's a little bit of information about who is this individual, Merrick Garland. He's from the Chicago area, an attorney and a jurist, serving as the 86th United States Attorney General since March of this year. He was also at one time a circuit judge of the United States Appeals for the District of Columbia. He attended Harvard University which has become one of the most woke centers of indoctrination in the nation. He served, as I said, on the Court of Appeals. He also practiced litigation at Arnold and Porter and was also a prosecutor for the Department of Justice. And one of the things, he's a Democrat, by the way, which is enough to be a concern. Listen, I'm, I'm no longer an affiliate of any particular political party. I can honestly say that while I would tend to vote for Republicans in general, not always, I never vote for a Democrat under any circumstance any longer. And there's a reason I I can't. As Zell Miller, former governor of Georgia, once said back in 2004, the Democrats are a national party no more. They have drifted in their opinions. They've they've drifted in their approach and everything about them. They have ceased being the party of, quote, the working man. And I can remember back in the 70s, I knew a lot of Democrats 
and even in small towns in upstate New York, Long Island, when I was a little kid and and in other places I've lived, where a lot of people were, were Democrats. I may have disagreed on some of their policy, but they were generally good people and they meant well. The party had established this mantra that we are for the little guy, the working man, the family. We want to make sure that you can have your you know, the chicken in every pot and a car in every garage kind of philosophy that we heard back in the first part of the 20th century. But over the, over the decades, the Democrats have drifted farther and farther toward the extreme leftism borderlining on communism and socialism in this nation. Look at Bernie Sanders. He's not even a Democrat. He's a, he's a socialist. He runs for office in the United States Senate from Vermont as a socialist, though he will caucus and vote with the Democrats, and he actually ran for president under the Democrat banner, even though he is an avowed socialist. The Democrat Party has shifted so far from the days of a John F. Kennedy and a Hubert Humphrey or a Harry Truman That party is dead and gone a long time ago. They love to live on its legacy to fool people. Republicans were always called the the, the rich and millionaires party, the country club party. And when you look at who's who in America and who has the money, it's certainly not the wealthy Republican banker class anymore. It's a Democrat and lawyer class. Lawyers. You realize most trial lawyers are Democrats. But that's a that's very that's just very simple. That's how it is. Not all, but most. And what they have done to the legal system, or I should say the justice system, they've turned it into a corrupt and immoral legal system. Money talks. Money talks a lot in the courtrooms today. It's all about the Benjamins, as somebody said. And so now we have Merrick Garland in the Attorney General's office, head of the Department of Injustice. And to give you an idea of just how how dangerous this man is, look at those people that were rioting last year destroying police cars, buildings, property, even even killing people. The Department of Justice, even last year, under bar of all people, did little or nothing. The system's so corrupt. The corruption crosses party lines. The election of 2020, obviously, in my mind, was tainted, it was messed with. The, the irregularities were allowed to happen under the guise of the coronavirus pandemic. You know, tell me in Georgia, please, just to give you one example that I can, I can vouch for. Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook. He took $450 million, $450 million, by the way, Zuckerberg's a Democrat, 
He took $450 million of his own personal money from his billions, with a B, dollars, from creating Facebook, and plowed it into certain states, like Georgia, like Arizona, like Pennsylvania. Sound familiar already? Wisconsin and Michigan plowed lots of money. I think it was something like... uh, oh, I can't remember, $48 million into Georgia? Into Georgia? And only into Democrat-rich districts and places and counties, like DeKalb County, Fulton County, Cobb County. I didn't see him spending any money in Rabin County or Stevens County or other counties that I can, I can mention, Habersham County, Hall County. No, just in, in Democrat-rich voting areas. And with all that money, they put out these ballot collection boxes, these so-called secure ballot collection boxes. And what happened with those ballot collection boxes? Well, fortunately, not that they thought anybody would ever notice, there was some security and cameras. And see, there's this one box and there are many others, but there's one box where the video is pretty pretty clear to see. This one big secure box in this Democrat-rich county had approximately 30 people put in ballots into that box. Let me say that again. 30 people put ballots into that particular box. The security cameras show it. Over all the time those boxes were out there, Roughly 30 people used that one particular box. And that one particular box had 19,000 ballots. 30 people put in 19,000 ballots into that one box in a very, quote, Democrat-rich region. Were those legitimate ballots? We'll never know. Chain of custody is lost on so many of them but they're in the count. And you don't know which ones are which. It's a tainted election any way you look at it. By the way, Biden um, only won the state of Georgia by 11,000 votes. So that one box with 19,000 votes, that one box alone could have tipped the election. But I'm sure if you go into other areas of the metro Atlanta area, you'll find more and more similar boxes that were thoroughly abused to steal an election. And that process has probably been repeated in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania. We know that in Arizona, there are 47,000 ballots that are highly questionable. 47,000. And I think there was only a 10,000 vote margin in that state. And you want me to believe the election was fair and square. Look, I may disagree with some people on the hacking of the election and the machines and everything else from the outside. I'm, I, I am not convinced that that may have been the way the election was taken. But it's obvious when you have just simple technology, simple text, simple things like stuffing a ballot box. How easy can that be? 19,000 votes into one box by 30 people. 
That ought to tell you something. Does Merrick Garland care? Of course not. His guy, his guy is now in the White House, and he's now heading the Department of Justice at the age of, well, 69, going on 70. He was supposed to be a Supreme Court justice if Obama had had his way. When Anthony Scalia died, in my opinion, mysteriously, he became nominated to be on the Supreme Court at the very end of the Obama term. The Senate, thankfully, refused to hear it, and the nomination expired. There are too many things about Merrick Garland that concern me. And see, he doesn't care about Antifa. He doesn't care about various riots. He doesn't care about how schools are are destroying the rights of children and parents. doesn't care about any of it. Because, see, he has signed on and given a blood oath for an agenda of the leftist. He's a leftist stooge that will do whatever the bidding is. Answer me this. How does a guy that spend his time as a circuit judge working in the Department of Justice over the years, how does somebody like that end up being worth somewhere between, in 2016, close to $23 million working in government public service? Oh, I know he worked for a short time in a private law firm, but I still wonder, I always, people always said, you know, we need to investigate the finances of Donald Trump. He didn't make his money working in government. He lost money when he went to work for government. I'm more concerned about those that come into government and become extremely wealthy. Am I being paranoid? So here's this multimillionaire in the Department of Justice, and he considers the biggest terror threats, along with the Department of Homeland Security, people that challenge coronavirus restrictions and lockdowns and mask wearing, people that challenge the validity of the 2020 election in spite of what your eyes can see on the video. The numbers are clear and apparent. He's not worried about any of that stuff. But if you are a parent and you care about the education of your child, and you demand it not be a fake and phony history, the 1619 Project, critical race theory, if you demand they learn things like, oh, I don't know, reading, writing, and basic arithmetic, and American history, you are now the terrorist. And if you dare challenge a school board, he wants the FBI to thoroughly investigate those that complain at school boards. Merrick Garland, an ever-present danger to the United States of America. I'll share more on the other side. Also on the other side, I've got a couple of other stories that I want to share, and I want to clarify a couple of things, too, that people have asked about. But I want to thank you for being a listener to this, this radio program. When I began this program at the end of August, last day of August of 2020, I just felt there was a need, and I knew I'm just a small voice covering a, you know, a, a limited number of people in the United States and Canada and maybe a few other parts of the world because of 
the coverage of shortwave. I just felt that this one little voice of mine, just reaching those that God has called to listen, this small little group can make an incredibly large difference if God empowers it. I don't have an army of people of thousands and hundreds of thousands to to go before school boards and, and, and start schools and pull their kids out of public schools. I don't have an army that can do that. But I have you that are listening today, and I would say the majority of the regular listeners are being, well, led to feel and understand the same things that God has laid upon my heart. And really, a lot of what this program does is to reinforce the things that God has stated for all of us to understand. And if each of us do our part prayerfully, influence maybe one or two others, and they one or two others in time, the word and the message gets out. Think about how the gospel message got out of Jerusalem with just a handful of people. And it impacted an entire world empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to look at what we're doing here on this program. I'm trying to expose the evil and the dangers that we are facing today. The lies that are being spread. The misinformation that we are being demanded to believe. This is what we're trying to combat. This is not an entertainment program. I'm not a, you know, I'm not, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not an Alex Jones. I don't do a TV thing. I don't do a lot of stuff to try to get you riled up to buy products and support and everything else. I just want you to have the truth because the truth, according to the Bible, will set you free. That's it. I don't get paid like Alex Jones does to do this show or anybody else that you may listen to. My time is given. I invest in this program myself. And I want to thank those of you that have invested as well. Now, there's some things happening this week. Hopefully, I can tell you about them a little bit later. Right now, I'm not in the position. You'll understand when I explain later. Two things. If you have a prayer request, go to our website, Truth to Ponder, and there's a button for prayer requests. I think it's important that we begin to pray together. And we're going to start sharing and dealing with that in the weeks ahead as the program is going to be going through some very minor adjustments, hardly noticeable, but I just want to make sure that certain things are covered each week and prayer requests are one of them. If you believe in this ministry and you can help us financially to pay for the airtime, we are on radio, we're on WRMI, we're on KVOH, we're on a station in Delta, Utah, And I'm hoping to expand that even further on shortwave and maybe even a few domestic stations. If you can help us, make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And you can mail it to Truth to Ponder at 5753. That's 5753. Highway 85 North. 5753 Highway, which can be abbreviated HWY, Highway 85 North and add number 3248. That's 3248. And the city where our mail is currently going, as we are doing a lot of travel and work, 
in ministry and this program over the next months is Crestview. One word, Crestview, Florida, zip code 32536. Once again, a check to Ancient Word Radio, Truth to Ponder. Just Ancient Word Radio, mail it to 5753, Highway 85 North, 3248. That's number 3248. Crestview, Florida, 32536. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Seeing the Invisible Prison, coming up. Shalom Aleichem, this is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. You're receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Acts 12, Peter's in prison. An angel is sent to release him. Now, the first thing the angel had to do was simply see Peter in prison, realize he's in prison. If he just saw Peter as a hopeless person, then there's no incentive. But if he saw Peter as a person who could be doing great things in future ministry, but right now he's inside a prison, well, there's a great purpose there. In the same way, there are people in your life who are not saved. And this is an important principle here. They're living in anger, angry people, bitter people, rotten people. And, you know, that whole may be true, but if that's all the way you see them, then you're doomed to see them that way and, and nothing else. You're dooming them to that. But if you see them as in a prison, that's different. In other words, if it's not just a rotten person, but a person who's inside a prison of rottenness, well, then there's hope. You can, there can be a prison break, you know, not just a bitter person, but a, a person who's inside a prison of bitterness. Well, there can be a prison break, not just a lost person, but a person who has the potential to become a child of God and who right now is living in a prison of ungodliness. You see, see that person inside the prison they're in and, and as someone who potentially can be free of it by God's grace. Right now, who's stuck, but it can be free. First step, my friend, see the prison. Separate by faith and by the blood of Messiah the prison from the person, so that you, by the grace and the power of God, might separate the person from the prison. Want more? Ask for angels and outlaws. Now, how'd you like to be able to do great things in God? Well, you can. Sapphire is the super spiritual supplement to help turn your walk into a super walk with God. Plus the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. How do you get it? All free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, my friend, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 and you'll have a great part in the end time harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the Nice Jewish Boy Box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's Nice Jewish Boy Box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 076. 44. Well, until next time, this is the nice Jewish boy. This is Jonathan Kahn saying, get them out of prison. Go for the prison break. Shalom Aleichem in Messiah. Hasar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to the second part of our Truth to Ponder radio program and podcast for Wednesday, 
So glad you're with us. What I'm about to say has been said by many others over the years in different ways, but I've really come to believe something. When good people, law-abiding people, productive people live in fear of their own government, then their own government has become evil and dictatorial. It no longer functions as a godly government. It, it, it exists to serve its own desires, its own desire for power and control. And inherently, when people fear their own government, those that are supposed to represent us, when we live in fear, which is what the school boards are trying to do today in many parts of the nation, with the IRS being weaponized, the Department of Justice being weaponized against law-abiding, decent, productive families. That government has become completely and absolutely immoral and dangerous. And we see it happening today. Good friend of mine, his name is Michael Hinton, the Reverend Michael Hinton. I visited him, I think it was, what, early this year in Texas. He's a pastor and a fellow clergyman. And he wrote something that I, I thought was rather rather telling and very, and very fitting with some of what we've talked about so far in today's program. And here's what he wrote. He writes, The beast of revelation, which is global socialism, has a management problem. And here's what this problem is. Too many people, too much freedom, too much prosperity, and too many people thinking for themselves. Now think about that for a moment. In other words, there's no unified mindset to make government feel comfortable about their control. These are problems to the simple-minded people that exist today and mean-spirited servants of what is called the beast in Revelation. Now, the beast system, by the way, the spirit of Antichrist has been with us since the beginning of the church age. So don't think it's something yet to come. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. So here's what Michael says. The beast requires worshipful devotion to the state. When family, especially children, distracts a person from the ambitions of the beastly state, they must get rid of the family, especially the children, and even ideally before babies take their first breath. That's Moloch worship. That's satanic. That first breath leads to the first cry, the first you know cooing sounds, which creates feelings of attachment within the family. And see, the beast system, the spirit of Antichrist, wants no emotions felt by anybody except for the beast. You should live in fear of the beast. Be devoted to the beast. Worship the beast. Be thankful that the beast allows you to have the things you get. And so Michael continues. There should be no desire to provide for the health, safety, and happiness of the family Family is the chief emotional rival of the totalitarian state. How dare a married couple think they can care for a child better than the village? Let me stop there for a second. Remember, 
Remember that book that came out, oh, I don't know, 20 some odd years ago, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child? And it's not so much the concept of the village that Hillary Clinton alluded to, it's the village where the village is the state, not your family and your friends and your neighbors. See, look, when I came along in the 1960s, every neighborhood mother knew every neighborhood child. And they talked to each other. And so, yes, there were extra eyes and ears watching the children at play. And if somebody did something wrong, the parent heard about it. That's very different than the state completely taking that entire role away from the family, ripping it out of the family and taking something that does not scripturally belong to the state and taking it for itself, stealing it ripping it apart. And Michael concludes, and he's correct. How can we have feelings for others when we cannot even see their faces, especially the faces of children? And I think back to the story that I began with at the beginning of the program. This putting face coverings on little children. Children who are not at risk for a virus that are rarely at any risk of spreading the virus, and even with a face mask would still continue to spread it anyway. There is no scientific evidence. You know, a lot of people, a couple of things that I learned in emergency management last year. Question came up. So where did this idea of six-foot social distancing in grocery stores and lines come from? Where did this face mask idea come from? Where is the legitimate science, the studies, the protocols? Where were these actually developed? Well, the six-foot social distancing was an idea presented by a fifth grader to then-President George W. Bush many, many years ago in some kind of paper, and he saw it and thought, that sounds like a good idea, but there was no scientific rationale, just the idea of a fifth grader. So there's your social distancing. No scientific basis at all. None. Face coverings. Well, the people in China wear them all the time. Aren't they doing that to prevent the flu and other coronaviruses that run around naturally from the bat cave? No, that's not even true. The people wear face masks in China because the air is so filthy. It is so polluted. It is so dirty. They don't worry about catalytic converters. They don't worry about cleaning out debris coming out of smokestacks. They live in a constant orangey-brown haze, causing respiratory problems. These are large particles, millions of times the size of a virus, that they wear these face coverings to protect their breathing when they are outdoors. I had a family member that spent a number of years in China, in essence, really as missionaries in China, even though it's not legal. They were English teachers. And they talked about wearing those face coverings because the air was just so dirty. Everything outside was just full of dirt, dust, filthy. And they wore them so they wouldn't go into coughing fits. And so the idea of wearing this face covering has no scientific justification 
for protecting people from a virus. End of discussion. Yet people are living in such fear that has been pushed by the media, pushed by the government, pushed by Dr. Fauci, pushed by those that created the virus. Lest we not forget, this virus didn't just naturally occur as they tried to lie and make us believe last year. You know, we already knew in emergency management the odds that this came out of the lab in Wuhan was statistically very high. And many that knew a lot about virus transmissions and the history of coronaviruses had a very skeptical look on their face when the whole idea that somehow at a wet meat market in Wuhan, the virus got to patient zero and the rest is history. That's what Peter Nazak, you know, had proposed. He's from the EcoHealth Alliance that funneled, he was the bag man, the money man for funding gain-of-function research. See, it was illegal in the United States, so we just gave him the money and he did the dirty work for us, sending that money to the bat lady in China. And so to cover their tracks, the new narrative was this was a naturally occurring virus and and lo and behold, we have to do something about it. We're going to social distance, flatten the curve, wear face coverings, pray that we can get a vaccine and, and, and life could maybe go back to normal. If you think life is going back to normal, you are being deceived. Those that are in control of the narrative particularly at the federal level and certain states like New York and California just coming to mind, Michigan and others. They don't want to let go of this newfound power. The beast never wants to let go the power that it has stolen. The power over your life, your work, your family, what you're allowed to believe, what you're allowed to spend your money upon. They want to know everything about it. They believe they have a right to know every financial transaction that you make. Funny, as somebody pointed out, and Facebook, good old fascist book, says, missing information, it's out of context. Somebody wrote, it's amazing how politicians can pass a 2,000-page document to spend $3.5 trillion with a T dollars and never really read what's in it. But that same government wants to empower the IRS to look at every transaction in any bank account worth more than $600. Isn't that amazing? The power they want to give to the IRS. They want to know someday where you spend your money. Thankfully, the banks are furious, and I don't blame them, whether you like a bank or not. On this one, I'll side with any bank that wants to put a stop to this silliness this invasion of privacy, this violation of the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution. That's what it is. They're assuming you're a criminal. We have the right to look. Whatever happened to the right of privacy in your papers and your security? Out the window with Garland Merrick and Company and this IRS and Janet Yelton at all. You are just a cog in the beast wheel system. And the sooner you figure out that everything that we've been going through for the past year is a part of a planned reset 
to change fundamentally not just the United States, not just Australia, not just Canada, not just the United Kingdom or Germany or France or Italy or anywhere else. It is designed to bring us one step closer to a total global system. And as those who are aligned to Satan bring us to that point, and we gradually just surrender our freedoms to get our to be safe and get some of our freedom back that has been ripped apart and stolen from us over the past year. It has been stolen, not for safety. Of course, that's always what they say. This is for your own good. This is for your safety. This is for the greater good of society. All these unscientific, ridiculous ideas. All we are doing is setting the stage to have a global system I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict, but it certainly has the earmarks of preparing the world for the beast. Because see, once we have a global economy, once we have no longer the identities of the states, they just become regions of a larger reset global system. And when things look the most bleak, that's where the Bible says this man of perdition, this one that can do miracles and wonders, will capture the hearts and minds of people of all races and all cultures, from the United States to Europe to the continent of Africa to Asia, North America, South America, they will see the miracle of the beast and they will worship the beast and they will take his image and name and number. And in doing so, they'll be promised that they now can go back to, quote, normalcy and they can buy and they can sell all over again. And what they will end up really being, in all truthfulness, are free-range humans. But they're still on the farm. They're still owned by the farmer. Do you see where all of this is heading? Do you see the danger that I'm seeing in this world today? That we are on the verge of the beast system building its foundation setting it up where it can, in time, become the worldwide and global system. Now, that brings up the next topic. Some will say, so what? I'm a good Christian. The rapture will take me out. I won't have to worry about any of this. Well, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong and like Christians for 1,800 years believed that they would see this system come upon the earth and Christians would have to fend for themselves, work within their own communities, be hunted down, be persecuted, be despised, be hated of all men. Show me in the Bible where it says United States Christians don't have to worry about the beast. 
Don't have to worry about tribulation. Don't have to worry about persecution. Don't have to worry about martyrdom. We are exempt because, hey, 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 we're United States Christians, man. We got the rapture to save us. Peace and safety is what the beast will declare. Security, cradle to grave, if you abide by the rules of the beast, you'll be good. All others will be gone. Why do you think they want your children? Why do you think they want to dehumanize them with face masks? Every bit of it is a small piece piece of the beast system. Now, I had something else I wanted to get into today, but I can tell that I probably won't, I just won't have the time to get into it, but I'll get into it tomorrow to answer some questions. Oh, a couple of listeners have raised and somebody had made a comment on the Gab site and, and I want to answer it and I want to answer it in a very Christian and loving manner and I want to be well prepared to give my reason for what I'm going to tell this individual who is a little bit on the hostile side uh, complaining about something and I, I need to answer that. And it will help you as well in understanding how the beast system works. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the world is going to get better? Do you think that the 2022 election in the United States is going to fix our problems and it's all going to be better again? Just like it was in the old days. Going to church, praise band, the light show, and everybody there, nobody worrying about the coronavirus because we'll all be safe and vaccined up. Showing our little passports to get in. My friend, this is the beginning of the greatest fundamental change that you will ever see. Nazi Germany was just a little prelude event. The Soviet Union was just a glimpse. This, my friend, is coming the real deal. And many of us will see it come. Do you believe in the ministry of what we're trying to do here? Go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. Share your prayer request. You can contact, find out about the program. Help us there financially, too. If you prefer, you can make a check out to Ancient Word. That's Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address, address for Truth to Ponder is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. In the city of Crestview, one word, Crestview, Florida. Zip code is 32536. One more time. The mailing address, make your check payable to Ancient Word Radio, is Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. Tomorrow we pick up where we left off today. The beast is setting up his arrival. The foundation is being laid. Are you ready? This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.